Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. The race is over. Let the celebrations begin. We're reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Over the next several weeks, there is going to be numerous track and field activities across the globe as young men and women subject themselves to rigorous competitions in quest of honor, honors in their respective endeavors. For some people, it will be to retain their supremacy, while for others, they are desperate to achieve supremacy. It is interesting that some people just want to reach the finals of their events. Others simply want to make the podium, and a few ambitious ones want it all, that elusive gold medal. I wish them well while I sit on the couch and be entertained as they subject their bodies and their egos to avoiding defeat and attaining victory. I found myself thinking about Paul and those immortal words, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. It is fascinating that this man is about to be executed and he is not submitting a last-minute appeal to the Supreme Court or its equivalent. He is a prisoner on death row and instead he is celebrating the end of a process, a long race, an arduous enterprise. What does, who does that? So let us look back and see how it is, how is it that in prison Paul can be joyful and certain that he is going out a winner. It all started many years before in a little room in Damascus. Saul, as he was then called, was the headman for the intense and vicious persecution that religious zealots and political powers united for once and their concerted effort to destroy this fledgling movement of Jesus' followers who have taken on the task of sharing the gospel with the world. Saul was on another of his missions to capture and plunder some Jesus followers in Damascus when he had a once-in-a-lifetime experience in which he met Jesus, and this for him was life-changing. It was more dramatic than a successful medical doctor walking away from his profession to go become a cab driver. This completely revolutionized Saul's life. Blind and waiting for three days, Saul had a visitor, Ananias, one of the disciples who he should be arresting. But on this occasion, Ananias had a message for Saul. This message was from the same God who he met three days before, and boy, did Ananias have a message for him. This cruel hater of Jesus' followers was about to hear an appointment that he never saw coming. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the, my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Saul, or Paul, was being sent on a mission, a journey with no resources, no idea of how long he should be in this program. All he knew was that the message came from God. No argument there. The message spoke of him being chosen to take the gospel to Gentiles, and the message promised a life of suffering. 
That last detail was enough to make me walk out of the room and tell them, you've got the wrong guy. But Saul, he did not flinch. That man stepped up to the starting line and began to run. An athlete signs up to be prepared for the Olympics. The highly respected famous coach lays out the rigorous training schedule which has been set in stone. <laughs> this training involves participating in several competitions down the road all to get ready for the Olympic Games. This athlete has no idea what he just signed up to do, but he is in. Saul took on this project with dedication, energy, and the will to please God. Let me tell you something. For many years, Paul devoted his whole life to the preaching of the gospel, and yes, to difficult Gentile audiences and hostile Jewish congregations. That was demanding, but in the process, Paul suffered immensely near-death experiences, arrested and treated like the worst criminal, victim of natural disasters, and whipped and beaten on numerous occasions, and left for dead. Why? Why, Saul? Why didn't you walk away and get married and settle down and start a family? Was it worth it? In our text, Paul says categorically, it was worth every ounce of it, every moment of it. He could recount many times he came close to death, but this man is bragging that he has finished the race. He can barely make it to the end, but he did not quit. Notice the sheer joy in his words, finished the race. He has fought a good fight and he has kept the faith. What a glorious acknowledgement. that despite the hardships over all these years, it comes down to this victory speech from a man who has been flooded with suffering. I want to speak to you directly. You are called by God to take the gospel across the street or at the workplace, not far. God gave you an assignment to preach, to teach, to do something for the kingdom, and you have been dragging your feet and hoping God would give you something easier. My friend, this race is tough. The journey is long. The path to the end is treacherous. But however long the race is, you, your end is in sight and you have to stay in the race. Jesus calls you. The Holy Spirit will sustain you. And God the Father will reward you when you cross the finishing line. Keep going. Keep pressing on. Don't be deterred by the difficulties you face. Rather, with your eyes on the prize, you will be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. See you later in heaven, wearing your crown of righteousness, along with those others. Then you will be able to say, it was worth it all.